on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. We have another story about Pinterest, but this one actually doesn't have us rolling our eyes. Microsoft advertising continues to filter out the similarities between it and Google Ads. Twitter Spaces is jam-packed with updates that have Greg throwing up a vomit reaction. Well, we go bird watching and have a serial discussion about drinking leftover milk. What the flock? <laughs> no one understands my Britney Spears hit clip conspiracy. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. A proud part of the Search Engine Journal podcast network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Mark Saltarelli. And I'm Jess Bud. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on January 29th, 2021. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news show on YouTube or your favorite podcast player each and every Friday morning. All your digital marketing news from the week. Powered by the digital marketing community. And if you want to join the conversation, and please do, just hit us up. We are at Marketing O'Clock everywhere. Guys, I feel like I haven't seen you in like a week. What's happening? What's happening with you, Jess? I actually had something happen this wow. week. I know. Ooh. For months, I've just been saying how boring my life is and like scrounging to come up for something. And I'm hearkening back to that time because what happened to me yesterday was horrendous. Oh. So I was playing in my room with my baby son, Jack. We were having a great time. My husband, Chris, is in the kitchen washing dishes. And all of a sudden, we just hear, oh, heck. And he did not say heck. And he repeated it several times. So I, you know, run in there to see what's going on. Can I guess what he said? <laughs> yeah. Dagnabbit. That's exactly okay. what he said. Dagnabbit. <laughs> and I ran in there and he was washing dishes. So the sink was full of water. There's only one pan in it, though. And it had fallen out, like bottomed out. The sink just came out of the cabinet and he was holding it because it was full of water and it like crushed the pipe below it. Oh, no. I know. So I had to like run back, grab the kid because he was playing in my room, put him in his pan. I can play. I had to get a bucket from the garage and like scoop the water out because we didn't want to drain it because we thought maybe the pipe was just going to explode everywhere if we did that. So I'm like running through the house barefoot on wet floors, like sloshing with this bucket and his like lactic acid in his arms is building up from this heavy, awful thing. And it was like a cartoon. Our sink fell. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Our house is seven years old. Do you and the see sink my face? fell like, out of our countertop. <laughs> like that does not happen. It's undermount, right? Yeah. 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 Which is a, a phrase that I learned yesterday. The nice thing is it's stainless steel, and we could like see the whole thing when it fell out. And there is no rust, so stainless steel works. That's nice. Unbelievable that these things can happen to people. We had to wash our dishes in the bathtub because the dishwasher is hooked up to the same pipe, and we weren't sure what was going on. It was a night. On the bright side, a little yeah. bit of a time saver. Eat the eggs and wash it right off. <laughs> you just assume I'm getting eggs all over myself. <laughs> it was just like I just didn't no, think the that plate. that was... You eat out the plate <laughs> while you're showering, save some time and wash it off. That just seems like something you would do on a normal Tuesday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's part of the keto diet. Yeah. You eat so. in the shower. I'm not keto anymore. Right. No. Well, I don't know. So is it fixed? What happened? It is actually. They came in this morning, 9 a.m. Like we called them last night. They said we'll be there first thing. And they came in and they fixed it. We still can't use it because now it has to like 
reseal and be connected or whatever, but they added some brackets, just wild, like things. If I lived alone, I would have just walked out of the house and never come back in. I wouldn't have known what to do. Goodbye, <laughs> <So, laughs> house. Yeah. Don't need Light you anymore. Fire. It's over. I'm you back to wishing nothing me, goes so on. You betrayed me, so I'm walking yeah. away. <laughs> Bye. Hi, Mark. How about you? I am remiss for not sharing this last week, but the news of my car being able to connect to my phone to the Bluetooth kind of overshadowed this. Oh, boy. Big news. (laughs) Going to share some good news. Not really good news. News associated with the Bills now that we're no longer in it. RIP. But during the Bills-Ravens game, I knew we were going to win because of this good omen I received, conspiracy theory. So right before the game, my cousin Alex and my Aunt Jeannie send us a photo of themselves being like, go Bills, they live in New Jersey, so they're not like normally Bills fans. And then um, my cousin Aaron sends me a picture of me as a child on the beach in the Jersey Shore. There's a can of Miller Lite in the sand. It's very suspicious. And Doing laundry on the Jersey Shore? No, just gym and tanning. Okay. Um, but we didn't like know it was the Jersey Shore at first, so that was part of the process of figuring out it was, it was the Jersey Shore. And as soon as we figured out it was the Jersey Shore, my cousin Lucas brought up how my cousin Alex, who sent the first picture in this series, are you following? Uh, that was separate. <laughs> I don't think with the screenshots, he had put um, my at when we were at the Jersey Shore had put the headphone to my sister's hit clip up his nose, and the song on the hit clip was "Stronger" by Britney Spears. And then immediately after we finished that conversation, it was a commercial break, and they were doing this bit about Josh Allen and how he had improved over the years. And they keep doing these bits of cartoons with Josh Allen and a Britney Spears song playing, and the song was stronger. <laughs> so that's my conspiracy <laughs> theory. I hope you could follow that. I will send you pics of my conspiracy theory. Board. I like to think of myself as somebody like a dot connector. I connect the dots. No idea what you just said. No. Hush, no. just stop. There were the pictures sent separately <laughs> from the game. The lyrics. Did you get it? In the there movie. was the hit clip that played okay. Stronger. And then as soon as we finished that conversation, Stronger was on the TV. It oh. was It was creepy. It was creepy. Go Bills. We needed it. We needed that for when they played the Chiefs. You should have recreated that. You you, we, you can't recreate fate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And on my side of things, it is both mine and my wife's birthday coming up this weekend. And she, I'm not a birthday person. I mm-hmm. think they're stupid. I think you should have about five birthdays in your life, and that's it. Um, like any of the big um, notes. What? Like 18th birthday, 21st. Okay, okay but you need 40, to, to clarify that. 50, like, because everything else is just a day. you say you should only have five birthdays. You're six, you're out of here. No, not that. It, it sounds like, like children of the corn when no. you're only allowed to live until like you're 18. Ooh. And then, yeah. No, not, no. not like that. I just You should celebrate five times. You can have as many as you want. Anyway, so my wife's like, I want to go. There's a place in Syracuse near where I live that you can go and you can pet wild animals. And I immediately thought, no, thank you. No, thanks. Mm-hmm. And my wife doesn't have a lot of street smarts. And when I say doesn't have a lot of street smarts, I mean, like, not any. It just doesn't exist. So, And I love her very much. But she says, there's a few different animals to pick from. You can pick to go pet a sloth, Aww. an otter, 
a giraffe, and a hippopotamus. And I'm, of course, thinking she's going to go like full of Kristen Bell and be like, oh, let's pick this off. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I mean, obviously, there's one that we don't want here, right? Which we one? don't want the heckin' land shark of animals. The right. hippopotamus. They're beautiful. You the hippopotamus is the, the mo- is the most dangerous animal on mm-hmm. the planet. They're hungry. I'm like, come <laughs> here, marbles. I don't want this. Like, out of any animal in the world, I, I, I hit, maybe a shark, hippopotamus. I don't want those two. They kill more humans than sharks every year. It's the most dangerous animal. I don't want hippo. Why would I ever want to be around a hippopotamus? Is that a true fact? It's true. Personal? Google what's the most dangerous animal right now and tell a, me what it is. A hippopotamus. And so she's like, I, I want to, I want to go with the hippo. I'm like, I'm not petting a damn land shark. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing it. There's no way. I get what did Google say? Nile crocodile. <laughs> That's what it said. Crocodile is the most dangerous. Okay. Three hundred fatal attacks on people each year. Okay, well, uh, we need to get the stats and informations are on <laughs> hippo, and if there's more hippo deaths than shark deaths. But of course, that's what she wanted to do. It's like a hippo. It would be fun. I'm like, no, I'll be dead. I won't see my sixth birthday if I can't spawn if I found a hippo. So there we go. You didn't want to celebrate anyway. True. Happy birthday, Greg. If you have a grievance to air or spicy take to share, anything you want to get off your chest, our phone lines are open. Visit call.marketingoclock.com and leave us a voicemail. And we might play it on next week's show. And don't forget that our fearless leader, Christine Zernheld, a.k.a. Shep, wrote a book, The Ultimate Google Ads Playbook. And you can find it on Amazon. And newsflash, diapers aren't free. And she now has a zero-year-old that needs diapers. So <laughs> go on over to Amazon, The Ultimate Google Ads Playbook. Buy a copy. It's only 9 bucks for the Kindle version. Leave a review. I'm sure it'll make the mean the world to her. Check it out. Absolutely. Feed that baby. And continuing on with the shameless plugs here, new pod alert. The fabulous Jill Fetcher, our chief growth officer here at Cypress North, has a brand new show called The Agency Scoop. And she's talking all things hashtag agency life, like what's happening to help us grow, how we work with our clients, the joys, the challenges, and more. I heard she got a big guest for for first episode. I don't know. People may have heard of her. What's the name? It's me. (laughs) Spoiler alert, yours truly is her first guest and the very first episode did drop today. So again, that is the Agency Scoop. You can tune in wherever you listen to other podcasts like this one or just check the link in our show notes. Do not miss it. Yeah, and we're giving away everything that we we know that works for us. The Mm -hmm. first one we talk about kind of coming up with these different pillars for a marketing team and sort of these core tenants that drive us. Um, And we just have everything out there. It's up on a slide. You can check it out YouTube over in Cypress North or again, your favorite podcast player, The Agency Scoop. All right, and on to our news this week. Big news from Microsoft Advertising. There is a new type of extension, filter link extensions, over on Microsoft Advertising. And from the release, Microsoft says, ad extensions are a big part of enhancing the visibility and relevance of your text ads to increase performance and improve your ROI. Uh, duh. Mm. Over and that was for me, the dub part. Yeah, Over the past few years, we've released action extensions, multi-image extensions, promotion extensions, and the first two of which were unique ad extensions only available on Microsoft Advertising. And this is another unique one, and you love to see it. You love to see the innovation and not just copying. I that is the first thing I thought when I, I saw it. this. Because 
I love to see Microsoft advertising moving in this direction where they're starting to lead Google on some things and mm-hmm. not just copycatting. And hopefully it's going where I want it to be going and they can start to kind of get some dominance there and bring back some search volume to Microsoft. For sure. And I didn't even think about this one, but it makes so much sense. So with this extension, advertisers can present many different features under categorized headers so that users can quickly navigate to their key products and offerings. And I think the good example for this is it's a Mother's Day flower company, right? Or it's a flower company and the ad copy says Mother's Day. But you can go and the filter extensions have price under 20 bucks, 20 to 30, 30 to 50, 50 to 100, 100 to 150 and 150 plus. Think about how relevant and important that is for everybody. The searcher, they can just now hop right into where they need to go. The advertiser, they can make it so people don't have to wade through things that don't fit. And then there's also some other things you can do for this specifically, like you can search by or sort or filter rather by flowers. So you can say, I want to look by roses or daisies, lilies, tulips, really, really, really cool. And the nice thing is you can link right to that spot. So unlike a call out that you see with the different items, Mm -hmm. you link right over to those very, very, very short specific things. I love this so much. So the only thing I took a little bit of an issue with is the example that they gave. I thought it was kind of a a little bit of an overlap if you look at it. So again, it's a flower company and the price thing makes a ton of sense. I think the flowers make a ton of sense where you can just hop right to a specific flower. But they've got structured snippet extension that talks about categories. Um, Yeah. And it's also kind of like this is an ad about Mother's Day let's remove that category structured snippet because we don't need to know about birthday and sympathy if we're looking for Mother's Day gifts. Exactly. And then I thought even that the categories almost overlap the deals, right? Because you've Mm -hmm. got basically Mother's Day there. You've got categories that talk about birthday. You've got special occasions. It just seemed like a little bit much. To me, I think it would be a lot stronger if you could just filter Mm -hmm. by price, filter by flower, and not have that weird kind of categories thing stuck in the middle there. But at least this is how it'll actually work compared to an example that we would get from Google, which would be completely unrelated to the new release. Oh, here's Mm. a before and after. (laughs) Ouch, Mark. This is how it's going to (laughs) look. Welcome to Passages. Uh, But yeah, overall, this is, is really great. Love to see the innovation. And if you sell anything, if you're doing Microsoft advertising, and you can get people to a filtered page, Test this out and let us know what you think. Absolutely. Speaking of testing, next up here, back in September, we reported the beta launch of Story Pins with select creators, and that is still expanding out to new creators. But now we are here to report that Pinterest is testing a new Stories panel at the top of the feed for some users. Sure, not in mine. I don't know if you guys open the Pinterest app today. It's no. the only app I use. <laughs> no, I'm not to throw shade at Pinterest. They're great. No. I just don't have a reason to use Pinterest right now. I have in the past. Fair enough. So it looks, I mean, if you think about stories, it just it's that familiar circle I think that everybody is used to seeing, which indicates that there's a story. Some users, though, have spotted a more creative twist, if you will, on the circle. It kind of looks like there's a flared like hand of cards behind the icon, which is cute, I guess. If Pinterest is trying to differentiate somehow, it's fine. It's designy. I'm describing this terribly, but if you're watching us on YouTube, um, you can see visualizations of what I mean. It's also in the link um, in the social media today article. But 
fine, right? I guess we already knew that story pins were here and now it's just that users are actually starting to see them a little more prominently right in their feed. So I don't know, like I, I think SNL Mike Myers would say, Pinterest, stories, discuss, talk amongst yourselves. Any thoughts on Pinterest stories? You guys didn't roll your eyes when I brought I it up. No, I just remember when we initially covered Pinterest stories about how they're different because they're yeah. permanent. They don't go away. It's just mm -hmm. a different way to highlight your content. Like it's good for recipes. It makes sense. You can like click through it and get the recipe. I think it's refreshing that they're doing something different with stories yeah. instead of just copying and pasting them like every other person has done ever since Snapchat first released them. So kudos for you for doing that, of actually adding some thought to this. Yeah, totally agree. I think the difference here, like you said, is that they don't expire and they're attached to pins, not users. So it's not like, mm -hmm. hey, here's what Just Bud is doing today. It's no, this is my recipe and I'm going to show you maybe how to do it in my story. So I think that that's really valuable. Yeah, that's cool. I, yeah. I guess because it, at the core of it, I sort of don't get it, right? Mm -hmm. Why are you going to have these pins that go to specific locations and destinations? And then on top of that, you're going to put stories on it. But I'm probably thinking about it being a very sort of kind of on the innovation scale, I guess, from, from blogging and putting out content. And mm -hmm. it's probably not as easy for many people to like go, I'm going to put out a blog post about this recipe. And this might be an easy way for people to make that content. That's almost like blogging in a way. It's almost like a medium in a mm -hmm. way where you're like, I'm putting this out here. It's me and my take, my comments on this specifically. So I take what I said back. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And one of the other points that this is an Andrew Hutchinson original, he brought up in the article was that, you know, this is a great, people are already creating stories for other platforms. This is mm -hmm. a great way to easily just also put it on Pinterest. So you're getting that engagement and that content from creators where maybe they would have skipped you before because it's yeah. not in their mind, but this is how they're used to creating. And my other kind of where this is, good is going back to the recipe idea or really any long form content. If you're doing a long image on Pinterest, it kind of just like stretches down the page and like other pins are filtered next to it. So from kind of a feed perspective, if you have a longer piece of content, that's an image, it might not look great in the Pinterest feed. So mm -hmm. it might be a better user experience to break that up into a story and have it be multiple images instead of one. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's cool. I think it is different enough that there's some value there that we maybe don't see elsewhere, but it's also familiar enough that I think people are very mm -hmm. easily going to adopt it. It might be shocking at first when they see it in their feed, but stories are everywhere. People are using them. People are watching them. So I think adoption should, at least from the user side of things and watching them should be pretty mm -hmm. easy to pick up. So yeah. I don't know. I don't hate it. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that was a great story, Joss. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Are we ready for more puns? Yes, please. Have you made space in your heart for Twitter spaces yet? No. Mm -mm. I got well, no space. I'm, I'm, I'm overloaded. Well, it might we be time jam. to reconsider. <laughs> because they're... Latest update is jam-packed with new features and bug fixes. Mm. So Twitter Spaces tweeted at Twitter Spaces on Twitter. Has that listening bug been annoying or what? We're rolling out a fix 
and asks that you please promptly update to the new iOS version 8.5 to ensure you get it. Appreciate all of you sharing with us. We heard you loud and clear. And now in spaces, you can too. Get it? Because it's voice. Yep. Some more updates. Threat emoji. And so kind of, I'm not going to go through every single tweet here, but base, the basic updates are, one, hosts can now directly invite other listeners to speak in the conversation. I think this is great if you're using this as like an alternative type of content for your brand, other than like a webinar, you can have a live discussion on Twitter spaces. There's no more text-only URLs when linking to spaces. So previously, when you were sharing a space in a tweet, it would just show the image, and it wouldn't really look like a link. But now it looks kind of like a Twitter card, as sharing like a link to a blog would look on Twitter. There's new emoji reactions for conversations. So if you're not someone who <laughs> wants to actually talk, in the Twitter space, that's been my main thing with like Clubhouse. I'm like, I don't really need to do this right now. You can just like throw a thumbs up emoji that you're enjoying the conversation. Or you just can like just Zoom. throw up. <laughs> <laughs> the vomit emoji is not an option. So yet. Yeah. <laughs> but like Greg, good news for you is that they are opening up feedback to more people. They have a form online that you can fill out. So if you want them to add the vomit reaction, like you can give them that feedback. Um, and then there's also just a bunch of like audio bug fixes um, that they rolled out. Like when the host gets a phone call, it messes things up or like switching in between headphones and your speaker, just getting those little things um, tweaked out. So if you have any other feedback like Greg has, like feel free to fill out their form and you can sign up to be part of their feedback group. And I think the bigger the bigger story here is that <clears throat> with some of these updates and some of these enhancements, Twitter Spaces is what we'll be talking about in the audio space at this time next year, not Clubhouse. That that's what I think personally. That you can leverage your Twitter profile, you can leverage your Twitter mm -hmm. following. Mm -hmm. You now integrate, and it's not just like a little shaky hand saying hi, join me here. Anybody can join. And that's credit also to PPC Greg is that I think he had, had said that with one of the feature enhancements mm -hmm. that rolled out. And I want to give credit to PPC Greg because he invited me into Clubhouse. But it was really weird because Clubhouse prompted you to connect your Twitter. And I thought that it would like pull in all my profile information, suggest followers, and it did none of that. All it did was pull in my name and my profile picture, which is pretty useless. Like bring in the bio, suggest people I follow who are also on Clubhouse. You might not have API access though, if you think about it. Oh, probably not. Twitter doesn't want to give them that. But then why prompt me to do that? That's yeah, weird. It's weird. And I think it's to Twitter's totally going to beat them because there's so many barriers to entry right now with Clubhouse. You can only do it on Apple. You need to be invited. You um, have to fill out your entire profile, find followers, just start out from the ground up. Whereas Twitter, it's like you already have Twitter. Now it's time for this week's take of the week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. 
We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. And this week's take of the week comes from Sam at Digital Sam I am on Twitter. And he was responding to a tweet from Dwayne Brown that was kind of a really nice conversation about pricing in general. And the original tweet that was being responded to was from Dwayne. And he said, it's interesting to see what others charge. I like our fee structure and imagine our size matters too whether we want it to or not. And this is this week's Take of the Week from Sam. He says, to some, it probably does. But I've seen more and more that larger clients are starting to see the value of smaller agencies because they don't get killed with the overhead. It's better to have a smaller team of rock stars versus a team of 5,000 where 4,950 of which will be learning on your dime. I'm not giving an opinion, but I'm He's smiling. not wrong. Yeah. I'm giving an opinion. He's not wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, just because you're a huge agency doesn't mean you're a good agency. And who mm-hmm. do you want on account? One of us? Jess? Mark? I don't know, like, or do you want some baby ac- account exec? Yeah. Yeah. And do you want every person who's doing work on your account to actually know who you are, know your company well, rather than having it like, these are the people that are going to execute on your Facebook ad, and these are the people doing Google, and it's all separate and departmentalized rather than just having, okay, this is our little small agency team. Yeah, maybe we should do a, a deeper dive on the agency scoop with Joe Fetcher at some point. But to me, one of the big things is when you get these large agencies, it is really hard to derive passion. You know, like I think... We like live and breathe our client goals and everything like that. And it's like, yeah, you get these big companies and it's just you get different people all the time. And one of our clients <laughs> made a funny joke. One of our new clients is like, yeah, you see that they just got hired. Their first job was two months ago and they're being introduced as an expert. I'm like, yeah, Cole's been here for four and a half years and almost five years. Like, yeah. I don't know. So, yeah. Good take, Sam. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for this week's ICYMI. This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something you overlooked. But you shouldn't have ICYMI, people. This is a lovely Twitter conversation between Brooke Osmundson at Brooke Osmundson on Twitter and Martin Redgerding at Blue Marty on Twitter. Brooke said, hashtag PPC chat. Can someone please remind me if having a keyword level URL will override what's in the ad level URL for Google Ads. I haven't used them for so long and we're transitioning a client to keyword level. Thank you in advance. And I was going to read that as Tia. I did not realize that was an abbreviation until I was reading it. And I was like, why is she saying Tia? Tia. <laughs> like, like Tia and Tamara Maori? Like, <laughs> I don't know. And then Martin responds, yes, keyword URLs override ad URLs. Helpful for um, direct keyword insertion ads or if you want to use ad customizers based on keywords. Should not be used for tracking purposes, though. And... Yes, very that. Also, I will say that on the tracking note, like don't use that URL for tracking, but keyword level tracking templates also override ad level tracking templates in that hierarchy. And 
Thank you for clarifying that for anyone who wasn't sure about that one. Yeah, and that's an easy one to like overlook because it's usually the more granular element. Right. But once you're in an ad group, it's like, is it the keyword or the ad? Or the ad, which it's one? Keyword. Yeah. So remember that. Mm. Oh, Tia, y'all. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts, paid, organic, and social. And starting up the paid news this week from Carolyn Leiden over at Search Engine Land, Google's alternative to third-party cookies is open for advertiser testing starting in Q2 2021. So if you want to start preparing for cookie apocalypse <laughs> and the sunsetting of cookie support in most popular browsers, in March of the Penguins, you'll have the option to flock over to Google's alternative federated learning of cohorts, <laughs> aka flock. Now the puns all make sense. I was like, why'd you just bring up March of the Penguin? But what the flock is flock. <laughs> <laughs> to quote Search Engine Land, this process essentially groups people with similar interests into cohorts to protect the privacy of the individual and allows advertisers to still serve relevant ads while keeping each person's browsing private, end quote. Basically, this new framework is all about finding that perfect balance between privacy and having accurate tracking and targeting for advertisers. Grouping users by similar characteristics will allow advertisers to continue using audiences similar to the ones we use now. And according to Search Engine Land, we'll be able to track about 95% of the conversions that we track now with cookies. So it's not perfect, but it's a pretty good alternative to having nothing once cookies are gone. Yeah, my biggest concern with this is when people shoehorn in the, the of as an O. And you try to make flock out of that. Like, you shouldn't. It should be yeah. FLC. Yes, it's, like, stop mm. trying to make flock happen. Yeah, it's the federated <laughs> learning of cohorts. No, it's the FLC. It's not the flock. It's FLC, federated learning cohorts. Yeah, but you can't pronounce FLC. You'd say <laughs> FLC. You could do flick. Federal learning is cohorts. <laughs> it's just as bad. <laughs> all right before we get any more bad puns or arguments about (laughs) abbreviations let's move on to what's next in the news from andrew lulk at andrew lulk on twitter great follow oh yeah is shopping other search terms in quotes not calculating conversion value any longer or is this just a fluke and if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the screenshot of his tweet, and it's showing in that row the total conversions, but not any of the calculated values. And I checked in my accounts. I'm not seeing this in search either. We can see total clicks and conversions, but you can't see impressions or any of those calculated fields. So stupid. I made fun of Google when they first rolled this out because I was like, okay, you're doing basic arithmetic for us. And wow, I can't believe they made it even more basic than it already was. Wow. <laughs> it's like, why even have that at all? You should have Show never said data. anything. <laughs> Again, you want us to trust all this machine learning and automation, and you can't automate what the other search terms are, and you can't sum that up for us? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, no. just, it's just petty. No. It's a petty move to try to make us 
calculate the other search terms. Just show it to us. Again, at one point you called it omitted. We have a screenshot. We have the receipts. And now you're just, it's other search terms. And if we don't show it, maybe you won't, maybe you won't think about mm-hmm. it. No. No. Yeah. It's all we think about. Yeah. I'm going to look at that and be like, <gasps> nothing. And then you have to think about it. You think, oh, it's not nothing. I just don't know what it is. I have to figure this out mm-hmm. myself. It's more of a red flag. And we got to go way. do math. And then we got to waste time. And then we got to try to allocate budgets elsewhere because other platforms aren't mm-hmm. as insanely idiotic and childish as taking away metrics that anybody can calculate. It's just. Yeah, I'm going to whip out my TI 95. Got to go dig that up from high school. Wow, it was 83 plus when I was in high school. Oh. Am I that much older than you? <laughs> 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 I'm sorry for that. <laughs> but yeah, everyone needs calculators. But if you just have the, for this type of math, you're fine getting away with a rinky dink one that you just bought in the checkout lane at CVS. Kids, you have them on your computer for free. Oh my gosh, that's right. You can actually just type it into the Google machine and I'll do it for you. Yeah, it probably won't give you an answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's omitted. <laughs> And next up from Amalia Fowler at Amalia E. Fowler on Twitter. Watch your display campaigns. Hashtag PPC chat. We are seeing campaigns where we have app exclusions getting a ton of app traffic today. I don't know if something has shifted, but it's not just one account. And I followed up with this. I saw it myself in some of my campaigns. Cole from our team saw app traffic on a desktop only campaign. I had exclusion lists and negative keywords removed from some of my display campaigns with no change history updates. I think this was just a bug last week. It appears that all of my exclusion lists are back, but it's like, are we going to get refunded? No, no. <laughs> yeah, go to Google support no. and, and see how, how that works. Yeah. You can, and, and how do you just, even get in contact with them? Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, I could go I could go off. I'm not, and, I'm not going to. I I've can feel that you want frankly, to. Quite frankly, had a week last week, as you all heard. But it's insane. <laughs> it's also insane that if you want to exclude app categories, you have to manually go through one by one and check off each one of these app categories that you're excluding and you can't just select all and you can't just say I don't want mobile apps off it is so many it's again it's just such a petty move like everything is made to be accept all of the optimizations and recommendations here and then the one thing you can't do is you can't just select all mobile app categories you have to manually do it and you have to go to ads editor and you have to copy and paste. Just let us turn things on and off to get do what we want. It's crazy. But then they'll lose revenue. So Mark, that's a good <laughs> thing. That's a good like I, I'm, I'm I'm a broken yeah. record here. No, but you're exactly right on that point because Julie Bacchini also replied to this thread and she says she has a client she can't use GDM with anymore because you, she excluded all those categories, was still getting mobile app traffic, and then started manually excluding mobile apps, and then hit the limit of 10,000 mobile apps oh that you're allowed goodness. to exclude. I tried taking the PPC Protect um, mobile app exclusion list, too big to load, couldn't do that. And you get to the point where you're just like, you're going to make me turn off mobile traffic. And that's not what I'm trying to do. But what other options do I have? You're limiting this. You won't just let me check off apps. 
You are the biggest technology company in the world and you are, you're just, you're, I don't know. It's, I know. It's, I'm just hoping for a Microsoft audience network because I've used some other display platforms like Chuzel. Like I hate Chuzel even more than I hate GDN. So I'm hoping like, come on, Microsoft audience network, let's do this. Yeah. So prayers for Microsoft, everyone. We're pulling for you. We're officially a Microsoft advertising podcaster. <laughs> oh, ship that. Wait, so Greg, are you saying that I shouldn't talk about our new marketing a talk episode that just came out? No, because it's talk about, about Google. Okay, great. So go over to the Search Engine Journal YouTube channel and see what we're talking about on Google Ads. Our new episode is called "A Look Back on 2020's Significant Google Ads Changes and How to Have Success in 2021." And yeah, they were significant. So significant that we're considering this being a Microsoft show, <laughs> apparently. But Greg and I had the absolute privilege to meet with Ginny Marvin and Anu Adegbala to discuss the latest with Google Ads over the past year. Yep. And it was a lovely time had by all, Catch as usual. Over on the Search Engine Journal YouTube channel or in this podcast feed. It's the one right before this. And Mark, you kept it real. So there, there was, again, mm-hmm. a, a fair bit of... We always um, keep truth. it real. And all honestly, truth. I truth. like yeah. nothing but the nothing truth. But- These two are obviously all stars. And I think what was really nice is that Ginny really tried hard to keep it positive, And that's something that we don't do. So that was <laughs> a nice, refreshing take if you're tired of us being all down in the dumps. Still not much good said about Google, but positive notes. Yes. And I took a lot of her sass too. And I brought it <laughs> out. All the highlights finally got to talk to Ginny. I'm so excited to so check that out. Don't miss it. Yeah, and speaking of Google Ads, it's now time for our segment, Beyond Google Ads, because Google doesn't care about you. But we do, and I'm going to piggyback off something. I didn't even plan this, I swear, but the Microsoft Advertising Network, if you have paid attention, Google Chrome has been getting a lot of hate lately, to be fair. They're blocking ads that, quite frankly, they probably shouldn't be doing, and I think we might see some lawsuits for it. It's a resource hog, and people have been moving to Microsoft Edge. And one note with Microsoft Edge is when you use it and you open it up, you get kind of a customized story. And it's kind of hard to get around that. You have to use some different extensions, which I do. But I was on one computer that didn't have that. And you get, again, a kind of a customized news feed for you. And in there are display ads. And so with more people going to Microsoft Edge, it may be worthwhile if you are looking for more places to spend on retargeting to test Microsoft advertising is there are many, many, many retargeting and just ad placements on Microsoft Edge homepage, which more and more folks are going to now. Wow. I might switch back just to support that movement. There you go. Microsoft We welcome you. Yeah. All right. Come (laughs) to the dark side. Come live on the edge. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but what's on the edge of organic this week, Greg? Well, it's what's on the edge of organic every week, and it's Glenn Gabe. And there's a tweet from Glenn, and he says, whoa, stop offering search. And it's a link on over to a publication on the fact that there is a standoff with Google and Australia, just the entire continent, Google versus the continent. And it's from The Guardian. And basically... We had talked about it before very quickly, but there was some mention of paying to be able to use news. And Google would have to pay to be able to use news and bring it in the search results. And so then Google, facing that, went 
nuclear with it, in my personal opinion, and said that they threatened to shut down search if this digital news code moves ahead in Australia. And so I'm going to read a quote from The Guardian. That's a bluff. Oh, obviously. Like, I mean, it's so... And it's like you want to... Google does these things where it's like, this is what the news results will look like if this passes, and this isn't good. They did that with the UK thing like two years ago. And then this one, it's like you want... I'm I'm not going to feel sorry for you, Google. Sorry. Yeah, this reeks of Facebook's small business push. It's it's ridiculous. Um, anyway, they said, withdrawing our services from... Uh, <laughs> is that your Australian accent? <laughs> no, withdrawing our services from Australia is the last thing that Google wants to have happen, especially when there's another way forward. The Prime Minister of Australia, love this, Scott Morrison, said at a press conference in Brisbane that the government would not respond to threats. He said, let me be clear, Australia makes our rules for things you can do in Australia. That's done in our partner, mate. I added the mate. (laughs) It's done by our government. And that's how things work here in Australia. And people who want to work with that in Australia, you're very welcome. But we don't respond to threats. I love it. The thing I love love is anytime you just repeat something, you know like how upset you are where you're like, and then in the passages press release, with the example they gave in the screenshot, we talked about the screenshot, the screen. He's, anytime you say like, in Australia, 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 you know that they're just trying to hammer that point home. I'm like, good, good, Google, get out of Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to care. We're a Microsoft country now. Yeah. <laughs> so next up from Barry Schwartz over at Search Engine Roundtable, he has spotted a Google mobile redesign and the example they gave was a Dunkin' Donuts of examples, which was actually Dunkin'. And the example said, Dunkin' Ew. Donuts near me. And you could see the name of the company is a little bit larger. Some of those items that you could click on now are more bubbly, like they've been moving to. Not a huge redesign, but it's a redesign. Was that a, were you calling back to when your kids call bad things Dunkin' Donuts? Yes, when something's that bad. <laughs> and that was my favorite thing to happen in 2020. I hate Dunkin' Donuts. I lived in Massachusetts for five years and their coffee is just brown sugar water. It is disgusting. Okay, but kids, the cereal. I know you're not a cereal no, person, Mark. cereal at Dunkin' yeah. Donuts? No, 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 no. no, no. There's sh- a Dunkin' Donuts box of cereal. It's like macchiato something. Buying? I don't know. What? Me. I bought it. I ordered it. And it's great. Like, it's tasty. It's like adult Cocoa Puffs. It's like coffee Cocoa Puffs. And then the milk at the end just tastes like creamer. It's awesome. Sorry. I'm not also one of those people, two kinds of people, people that drink the milk at the end of the cereal, people that don't. You're not one of those people? Especially at the end of the box when all the sugar is in there? No. This is is something I can't participate in because I would have to eat cereal to be able to have an opinion on this. I had ramen today for lunch. Do you drink the broth? No, what you do, no. well, you do, but you don't sip it like that. You tilt the bowl and you get the spoon. That's what I do. I do will not put my lips on a bowl. It'll As be all rule? over my beard. Don't, don't do it. Why? I just can't. I can't do it. I don't know what to tell. It's two kinds of people and that's not me. Well, listen, I make the rules for what happens in Australia and we eat the cereal. In Australia? In Australia. Australia? <laughs> we eat Dunkin' Donuts cereal. Okay. <laughs> in Australia, we do not respond to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> so over on Search Engine Land, Keeping it sort of Australian-related, Barry Schwartz covered something that Brody Clark, who I did a horrific accent of last week, had found that there is a screenshot which looks like to be a price drop uh, in the 
rich snippets, basically. So you can show up and have a example that something used to be $99 and has dropped to $50. The exact example he gave was Walmart and it was $12.88, typically $15.15. So go check out marketingclock.com, sign up for the newsletter, get all of the news each and every week. Sign up once and you get every week everything we talk mm -hmm. about right into your inbox and you don't have to listen to us ramble and rant. But, but you should. should. You should. <laughs> <laughs> that was not scripted. <laughs> All right. And next up from social media today, gotten to the bottom of how shorts are counted within your YouTube channel. They're counted the same way. And with if you want to see how shorts are performing, you can go into the traffic source type card. It's in the reach panel within the analytics tab of YouTube, YouTube Studio. And you can kind of parse that out and see how shorts are performing. So exact same way, it all counts, you know, just as any other video would be. All right, and back to Barry, there was discussion with John Mueller about whether or not digital public relations is spammy link building. It's not. You know what spammy link building? Spammy link building. That's spammy link building. If you're out there getting people to try product and everything and your goal is do, do what's best for your company. I don't know how to tell you that anymore. The one thing I loved about it is Barry at the end of the article said, let me take you back 16 and a half years to Danny Sullivan's opening keynote, an old SES show where he said back then, the SEO is very much about public relations. Yes, this was almost two decades ago and he links back to an article from 2004 oh. and just nice full circle. So that's it for Organic Jess. What's happening in social? So much. So first up, and this should have probably been in paid, Mark, but it's from the desk of Jess Bud, and I didn't want to give you any more work, so I'm covering oh, it you're so here. considerate. Thank you. You know how I hate talking about things. <laughs> Not true, but you're going to hate this when you hear it. So if you remember back when Facebook said it was going to take away the 28-day attribution window for ads, and then it quickly retracted and said that we could have it for the rest of 2020, it would probably go away in January of 2021, but that they would warn us that we had time to prepare. Do you guys remember that whole thing? The exact words they used were, if we proceed, we will be providing more details when available prior to the shift to help advertisers like you manage through such a transition. Remember that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, lies. Those words were absolute lies because when I opened Facebook ads recently, I saw a friendly little blue icon in the attribution setting column. So I thought I'd click it. Maybe this is the warning. No, kids. Let me read it to you. Beginning on January 19th, 2021, which when I clicked this open, had passed, the default attribution setting is a seven-day click and one-day view, which may result in a decrease of the number of reported conversions. For campaigns that have been completed before January 19th, 2021, results will be based off of the previous attribution setting for your account. That's fine because we quote knew this was coming maybe someday but they did not give the advanced warning it was mm -hmm. like it maybe the 20th or 22nd it was like just a couple days later when i saw this and it's like okay we took this away and i will rant more about how that has impacted my reporting later but the thing that really threw me for a loop was they had this announcement and then they said related articles learn more and i clicked it and the help link just said sorry we weren't able to load this content Completely yeah. unhelpful. They lied. They didn't give us advance warning. And then they say you can read more for more information and they give you nothing. And I just mm -hmm. think this is atrocious. It's a terrible way to treat people. Yeah. I mean, Google doesn't care about us, but Facebook hates us. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, but Facebook does? No. No. No, they don't. And yeah, I just say, like, make sure you have other attribution set up that isn't Facebook because it's awful. 
it's awful. It's awful. And it screws with your custom reporting, which again, we'll talk about later. So I hate them. They hate us. It's fine. It's mutual. Moving on. From Twitter support at Twitter support on Twitter, they tweeted, Bird Emoji, today we are introducing at Birdwatch, a community-driven approach to addressing misleading information, and we want your help. And how it works essentially is you join Birdwatch if you see a misleading tweet, you can flag the tweet, add notes that provide context as to why it's a problem, indicate the level of potential harm, which is nice if something's just a joke, it's low level, you still want to flag it, but it's not as dire. And then you can offer reasoning and evidence as to why the tweet is misleading. And I strongly encourage you to look at the tweet and look at the video they shared because they're talking <laughs> about the fact that whales are not real and they're government robots that are watching us, which is dumb because we don't live in the ocean. Like birds would be a much stronger candidate well, for this conspiracy theory. Also because there is a streetwear brand called Birds Aren't Real and if you buy something from them they have like a newsletter that's like birds aren't real <laughs> and they give you like updates about how birds are government drones that watch us see my point exactly so it's like COVID isn't real because they just needed everyone to stay inside so they could change the batteries in the birds wow <laughs> I like this way better than whales the whale thing is stupid it's a cute example though that I feel like mm -hmm. they didn't want to push buttons back but... to the story though do they know what they're opening themselves up for with this they're gonna everybody's gonna be help. disputing everything like we're just not we're not well as a society we're not but they try mm -hmm. to remind you if you go to sign up they have you have to agree to uphold the values and one of them is be helpful even to those who disagree like we shouldn't have to remind humans to be good humans but we are anyway links in the newsletter if you want to sign up for the I signed neighborhood up. watch I already did you yeah is that where the screenshot came from yeah it's yeah. my screenshot and I'm just gonna report PPC Greg on everything why? Just Sabotage so you can win next year, Greg of the Year, because he's out of the picture. I duh. <laughs> That's horrible. I'm bird watching you, Greg. Mm -hmm. You're disqualified for next year because of that. <laughs> I don't know. Shep's not here. <laughs> She's in charge. All right. Ever wonder how Facebook determines what should appear in your feed? Me neither. But um, if you want to know, they have a deep-ish dive into their process that they have released this week. So you can read through that if you want answers straight from the book's mouth. And you can make a fun drinking game out of it if you want to have a really good weekend. Right? Every time they tell you that there's a lot of content to sift through or that math is hard, you take a shot. And you'll understand how Facebook works. And you'll have a good time. Did they say anything about support being hard? No, they didn't even talk about it. No, they said they don't know it's hard because they didn't try. Yeah. No. Maybe, I mean, they could link to it instead of just saying need help, contact support, and not tell us how. Don't get me started. <laughs> don't get Greg contact started. Contact support. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. No, that's watch them try to contact That's the us. article I want is how can, I don't care what shows up in my feed. I'm not using Facebook. All right. Other news. From Facebook, as of February 1st, researchers will have access to, quote, targeting information for more than 1.3 million social issue, electoral, and political ads, end quote, that ran during the three-month period prior to Election Day 2020. This is a nice move in transparency. They also said that ads about social issues and elections and politics on Facebook and Instagram will remain archived and publicly available for seven years. Ooh, seven years? That's exciting. Yeah. We need to pause for a moment so I can go to my 2028 calendar and make sure that I can check out the stats of this yeah you can look amazing back at, 2020 time in our life you can look back at the um your birthday where you lost your arm to a hippo <laughs> <laughs> that's a social issue we should advertise on it so it gets in do we have the, the data on that do oh, we yeah. have the data on hippo deaths yes. do we have that back yes yes so i looked up 10 animals that are more likely to kill you than sharks 
Uh, hippos was number two. Uh, they kill about 500 people annually in Africa. Number one. How many was, in Syracuse? Do they have that number? Oh, none. Okay. Yes. So you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go. You could be the first. People kill more hippos than hippos kill people. Oh. So. That's so sad, Katie. Why you got to just bring the yeah, mood down? We were talking right, about politics. We're All having right. such <laughs> a good time. All right. There is a metric heck ton of news this week, so I'm going to start going sharks, really fast. How many people do sharks kill? Like five. Yeah, but people, no, people kill a lot of sharks because they eat their fins in soup and then they just let them swim away and bleed to death in the ocean. It's awful. Less than 10. So sharks kill less than 10 people a year. Hippos kill 500 people a year? Yeah. That's crazy. And you think I'm going to go pet one of those things? Why don't don't we have Hippo Week on the Discovery Channel? Oh my gosh. We could have Hippo Week here. If you've ever seen it, it is terrifying. You can't see anything. don't need to see it. It just comes like right out of the water and there's this huge mouth and just boom. Eats all your marbles. I think gorillas attack people too though, right? Like gorillas are dangerous. Or no, chimpanzees. All right, stats and information. We'll get on that. Okay, what's next, Jess? Whatever. Anyway, um, yeah. So like I was saying, I'm going to go really fast. So smash that subscribe button to our newsletter so you can get all the links because I'm going to skip some details here. So first, LinkedIn users will be happy to know that they can now control who can see and comment on their posts, whether that's everyone, their connections only, or somewhere in between, kind of like what you see on Facebook these days. Next, for you weirdos that are looking at Instagram on desktop, there is a new story experience for you that looks kind of like the album art carousel in old school iTunes, if you're old enough to remember that. <laughs> really exciting stuff. And You can see the Tatcha slide album artwork. <laughs> over and over again because you bought it multiple times. Okay, kings and queens of darkness could rejoice because Snapchat is launching a test of dark mode with just a small percentage of users. And visual learners can rejoice too because TikTok has released a new video overview of how to set up an ad campaign on the platform. Mm They have also launched a new creator portal, aka resource hub, for creators to, quote, learn the basics of getting started on TikTok, connecting with their audience, and cultivating best practices to bring their videos to the next level, end quote. Did you just say that so that you could say portal? (laughs) No, I said it so you could say portal. (laughs) (laughs) I was following. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, as with Reels, Instagram has also copied TikTok here. They have launched a similar offering with an even more boring name. Their version of TikTok's creator portal is the professional dashboard. And here you can track performance, grow your business, and stay informed. So get excited about that. Mm-hmm. Because reels are professional. <laughs> it's, it has nothing to do with reels. It's just that reels oh. were a copy of TikTok. I was trying to bridge the gap. Transitions are hard when you only say like one thing and hit your face on the mic. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for throwing marbles under your feet, but... The hippo will eat hippo them. Will it's fine. <laughs> All right, moving on. Pinterest has a new AR feature that lets users virtually try on 4,000 different shades of eyeshadow, which is more color than I think anyone needs, but it's a nice feature because walking into Sephora and trying like publicly shared makeup is not a thing right now. Do you guys remember that game Crossfire? No. No, that one goes over my head. That was great. What you shoot these little magnetic on? marbles out and you try to shoot more marbles into oh, somebody's thing. Oh, that thing. Yeah. It was like oh. an IRL game. Yeah, I got to get that for my kids. I got to hop on eBay right. or something. Oh, can we talk about like today version of games for a second? Because I tried to buy Crocodile Dentist for a young person in my life and you don't even pull the teeth out anymore. You just like touch them and then it bites you or it doesn't. That used to be the fun was cranking games out are, the tooth. Are, the quality's gone downhill. Down. Big game fan here. And yeah, and they got rid down. of all the fun. Do you guys remember a crocodile dentist? It was so fun. It was terrifying. Yeah, my cousin had one. A crocodile or a dentist? 
crocodile dentist. <laughs> I hear it's more dangerous than Neither. hippo dentist. <laughs> Remains to be seen. Hasn't killed anyone yet. All right. Twitter has acquired newsletter platform Review, and the bird says it's, quote, imagining a lot of ways, end quote, to help users engage with their following, all of which will work seamlessly within Twitter. So that's interesting. Could be cool. Could be stupid. We'll report when we learn more. And next, from TechCrunch, Clubhouse announces plans for creator payments and raises new funding led by Anderson Horowitz, who we all know is a venture capitalist. Right. So you're going to have to pay to get into these clubhouses? This is like legit. <sighs> I, I mean, maybe they're just trying to pay creators to show up, especially if Twitter Spaces is going to take off. Mm-hmm. Can I just use the, the password? Oh, kids, we've made it. Finally, last story here in the social news. Facebook News launches in the UK, the first international market for its curated news portal. This is too much. Are you just trying to make me say it? Because I will not say it. I will not say the word. You won't say what? Portal. (laughs) (laughs) And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. I just have a little tidbit about getting clients acquainted with automation, um, with using your marketing automation platform to automate things other than email. So I had a client come on in May. And whenever I am doing any type of lead generation campaign, I want to make sure that leads are automatically routed to the right salesperson because if someone can follow up with a paid lead within the first 15 minutes of them converting, they are much more likely to convert down the funnel. And I'm telling the client this, I'm like, how can we assign them to the right people on your sales team? And they were just like, are we have too many salespeople across the world that's too complex we cannot automate lead assignment because they're a global company they operate in like 24 different countries they have two different products what type of salesperson it goes to depends on what type of company segment it is which isn't like a standard industry field it's something they have to manually figure out and I just kind of was like, okay, we won't touch it. Recently, because we've been doing such a great job, they have way too many leads and it just (laughs) isn't possible for their business operations person to go through and manually assign every single lead up to a salesperson. And it ends up that being that a lead gets followed up like two days later from when it comes in, leads aren't converting down the funnel. And I'm like, can we please revisit this? And... I pretty much laid out every single thing we can use as a trigger to start automation, every filter we can use, and kind of every action we can take to start automating some of those manual processes so their business operations person can do business operations and not lead assignment. Because we should be able to automate at least 50% of these lead assignments. Anything that isn't subject to the, like, vertical segment because we can automate anything based on country and what product it's on and what form they submitted. I gave her a worksheet that had some options to kind of lay out what those lead assignment flows look like to make sure that we kind of see all of our options to see, identify 
where we can automate this so we can at least start decreasing how much manual lead assignment is going on and so we can guarantee that leads are being followed up with in an appropriate manner so we don't get people picking up the phone and going like who are you i don't remember submitting this because it was a week ago that's a great point but there's a little twinge in there that's almost and you know i love you but almost like the people in the resume where it's like, I try too hard. I have too many leads. You know, like I have too many leads. Like I try, what's, what's your biggest bag? downfall? Is what's your what biggest, yeah, the hum- yeah. What's your biggest downfall? Like, oh, I try too hard. You know, you, you know. But that is my biggest downfall. Well, it's actually true. It's <laughs> yeah. factually correct. And we, I, I have the receipts. But <laughs> All right. Now that uh. that's shade is out of the way. Jess, no, what's really? going on in your the Are you trying too hard too? No, apparently I'm not trying at all because all my conversions went away in Facebook reporting this week. So, which I'm trying very hard and I got them back. But here's what happened. So we have a custom report set up for a client. This also happens to be the client that if you've been listening to the last couple of weeks was the same one where we, you know, everything was shut down to an issue with business manager. We couldn't advertise. So I was afraid when things came back online and all of a sudden my conversion numbers were missing that something just happened because of that and we weren't going to be able to get them back. So I had a minor panic attack, but then I sat back and I thought, hey, this attribution change just happened. They switched everyone from that 28-day, if you were using it, default window to the seven-day default window. And I remembered my one of my biggest gripes with Facebook is if you're tracking multiple conversion types, they just say, oh, multiple conversions in your results column and show you nothing. And I thought, hey, some of my ad sets were old, were not running when this change happened, and were still assigned that 28-day attribution window. But the stuff that was running currently when the change happened were assigned the seven day because that was changed over automatically by Facebook. So I thought maybe something is happening there. And that is exactly what it was. So I went through and I changed everything, including the old stuff, to the seven day attribution window, the current default. And then refreshed my report and all my conversion numbers came back. Granted, some were different because the attribution window changed, but I didn't get those stupid lines that Facebook just puts there when they don't want to report anything. So if you're seeing this anywhere and you do have a ton of ad groups, especially some old ones that maybe were turned off when this change happened, just something to look at, something to be aware of. Anytime things are mismatched in Facebook, they're just not going to give you. I mean, I guess I can't say every time, but in my experience, most times if things are mismatched or you have multiple conversions, multiple attribution windows, going they're just not going to do the math for you or even try to figure it out so you may have to adjust especially now knowing that that change has happened in facebook ads so crazy pants week for me what about you greg cool. and i want to backtrack i wasn't saying you're trying too hard you're you're trying the perfect amount <laughs> the problem is what i was going after where you know how you you ask you're interviewing somebody you're like what is your biggest weakness and they're like i try too hard do you know what I'm saying? Like the, the biggest oh, weakness no. is I, that I we have too many exactly leads. Exactly what you're saying, but I just chose to take it there. <laughs> all right, all right, good. I just want to make sure everybody knows that. I, my feelings are not hurt. Okay, um, and yeah, there there are too many leads. All right, and so for me here, quick, I want to restate this. I don't hear anybody ever talk about Google pay for conversions, where you do target CPA and you don't pay in the click, you pay in the conversion. It's pr- I. Honestly, try to find one article about it. I, there's nothing. Out, nobody talks about nobody it. Nobody talks we about do it. We do it. Just you and I have had clients where it absolutely cleans up on. I have one And out. I test it out on everybody. Yeah. I, we, get a new cli- we just got a new client on, and I'm immediately like, let's test it out and let's see what happens. 
I, my audience, I try to do like a similar audience so that it wouldn't go too crazy and just blow out impressions and anything like that and clicks and make our conversion rate look bad. It wasn't spending. So my thought was, all right, let's just do all traffic. If I'm just paying for a conversion, which is a transaction, it is the, you have to be very, very specific when you do anything that's paying for conversions. And so I'm like, all right, I'm just going to take this similar audience ad group and I'm going to clone it in ads editor. And then I'm going to open it up. Like what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to pay $10 for a transaction. The minimum product is $10 and whatever. So clone it in Google Ads Editor, post it up live. Google Ads Editor is still broken. Google Ads Editor does not know about target CPA pay for conversions. So when I made this change and pushed it up, it went from target CPA to CPC. And it is, I had an issue where I had to get a refund for a client that we, that we don't even have anymore. It's a tourism client, there's no tourism. Yeah. Um, where we had made this change in ads editor, pushed it live and it went away from paying for conversions and then we got a refund from it. <clears throat> At the time, they're like, I don't know what the problem is. The, the rep didn't know that pay for conversions even existed. It was very new at the time. It's not new anymore. Correct. Yeah. It's not new. Mm-hmm. That was in 2019. Mm-hmm. 2019 mm-hmm. was when that was. And I had to show them, like, we don't understand. A, what is pay for? A, what is Google Ads? B, what is Google Ads pay for conversions? It's AdWords, Greg. It's AdWords if you're talking right. about You know yeah. the AdWords. Mm-hmm. So I, multiple words. In 2019, <laughs> sent video to a higher up of the rep of our rep at the time showing how Google Ads editor was broken and that people are going to get hosed. They're going to get smoked with this because you make one little change in Ads editor, you push it back up and it doesn't it changes the entire bidding type. Like that is not okay and not addressed for a year, still an issue. So if you're using any type of paying for conversions and if you're using Google Ads Editor, you need to double, triple check when you push your post live or your changes live, make sure they're paused, go back through and check. It does not work. No, it's, what did, what did the kids say? Shook? I'm still shook from that initial incident when I mm-hmm. make a, even a change now live if I'm just pausing, pausing an ad group, not even adding anything new. On the online, ad, on the online interface where I know it works, I still check it like, five times an hour just to make sure it's not spending. I'm so petrified. It's a great when it works. It is awesome. But it is just, I'm so scared all the time. Yep. To use Silver lining though, Google Ads Editor now shows you how many raise your budgets are coming through when it loads. Go home. That's a new feature. No, yep. I don't need it. I don't need it. Get rid of it. <laughs> and now for this week's cool tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's Cool Tool is Smart Traffic DM from Unbounce. And it is an AI-powered optimization tool that automatically sends your visitors to the variation of the landing page where they're most likely to convert. It's really cool. It looks at things like device, browser, location, and more, and then can route users to the version of the landing page where similar users to them have converted in the past. So if you're already using Unbounce, you can get started with just as little as 50 visitors. Get started with this machine learning. And you don't have to pay extra. If you're already using Unbounce, it's in there. So to 
learn more and to watch a video with kind of an amazing knockoff Austin Powers theme song uh, to the video, you can check out the link in our newsletter or head on over to learn.unbounce.com slash dry hyphen smart hyphen traffic. Just subscribe to our newsletter and check it out. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. And this week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from PPC Kirk, at PPC Kirk on Twitter. (laughs) And this post is over on Shopify, and the name of the post is The Retail Store Owner's 11-Step Guide to Launching Google Shopping Ads. And he runs through setup, the Google Merchant Center, Google Ads, and there's 11 steps. I'm not going to cover all of them. Just know that if you're on Shopify and you are trying to launch shopping ads, it is a challenge. You'd think that that Shopify makes it easy. Not really. It really doesn't. It's surprising how difficult some things are. But Kirk makes it easy. Head on over to hear what Kirk Williams has to say on Shopify. You can get that link in our show notes over at marketingclock.com. Thank you, Kirk. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from this show on marketingoclock.com. Sign up for that newsletter. And while you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's Shooting Hack, where after our famous Friday news show, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the hack. And this week, we're going to play everybody's favorite game, Guilty Pleasures. But this time, we're going to vote and have a winner. And Jess, you're going to start with one of your guilty pleasures. What is the vote? Because now I might change my strategy here. The best guilty pleasure. People vote for the best guilty pleasure? Yes. I feel like you're making these rules. The guiltiest pleasure. Okay. How about that? Ooh, all right. Well, then I'm going to start strong. I do not mind slash find oddly satisfying the process of scraping ice and snow off of my car. You are the strangest person I know. (laughs) Earlier at lunch today, she said she liked waiting in line at the post office. Did you not say that? I didn't say I liked waiting in line at the post office. I said I was a fan of if you don't know how much postage you need of just going to the post office and letting them weigh it. That is not what you said. We have witnesses. You said you like being at the post office in line. Yeah, like well, lines. I don't mind the alone time you get. Obviously, during the pandemic, it's difficult. But in like regular life, if I want to stand in line and zone out, like that's the place to go is the post office. And you're running an errand so you can get out of your house and no one judges you. Wait, so which one of these is the guilty pleasure? <laughs> I feel like I've <laughs> I purposely didn't put that on my list because we already settled it. Craig yelled at me earlier. I didn't um, yell at you. I said you were strange. <laughs> He got really heated. Um, no, I'm going with scraping the ice off my car because I feel like other people probably also get the post office thing. <laughs> <laughs>
I, I think that's a lie. I think that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Scraping ice off my car? Yes. I'd love to it's, see the wait, clean so window you, underneath. Were you really upset when you thought someone had scraped your car off yesterday? <laughs> I just wanted to thank whomever might have done it because it looked like someone but did. But were you going to start a fight with them because you were like, I, like, wanted, I wanted to scrape it. the I ice off it. my car. Do you guys not like get up in the morning and then like you do the first scrape and it's a clean no, window and I get, everything else is icy? I get icy? pissed. I hate <laughs> having my car. Like I before we had our conversation, of whether or not you're a garage person. Yeah. Like, I decided that I'm definitely a garage person in the winter. I hate doing it. I always forget to wake up earlier on days that it snows to scrape my car off. I Part of this is my problem is that I need to buy myself a new scraper. And I have this one that That's your problem. I got as a gift that has a swiveling head. And That's the never going to work. That holds Just, it in place. Spoiler alert, never going to work. It's going to break right off. Well, the thing is, it's supposed to have a lock to hold it in place, but the not lock work. doesn't work. So it just goes like yep. this nope. the mm. whole time. Is it powered Weird. by the Bluetooth on your car that also doesn't work? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Katie, you're up. So my first one. Um, I like to go through and look at Zillow listings. <gasps> Zillow listings for what? Just houses. Oh, That's Katie. not a guilty pleasure. Katie. That's a normal human. I opinion. do that like so many times a day. And everyone's like, why do you do that? You're not in the market for buying a house. <laughs> and I just do it for fun. And I like critique people's houses. I'm like, mm, this is what I would do to this house. Window I, shopper. I love going on Zillow and looking at people's houses. I think that's normal, though. I don't think it's a guilty pleasure. I almost bought a house this week because of it. I did ship stand that Is that true? Are you saying a statement? Is that actually true? You actually almost bought a house? Yes. So you almost bought a house that you weren't in the market for (laughs) because you liked it on Zillow. Yeah. I mean, Zillow's doing a good job, Don. Yeah, she threw it out to the community. She asked all of our opinions. We have no idea what her finances are, but we supported this. Can I see this house? (laughs) Sure, I'll send it to you. Don't make it public because people might scoop it out. No, from under I was you. literally just yeah, telling this fine. to Olive on our team the other day about how I'm weird because I I check Zillow. I look at Zillow every, every day. day. Yeah, I, I get their newsletter. I do it before I go I'm to not bed. never going to move from. But my house. I don't yeah. think it's normal. It's it's it's. it's normal. I think it's normal. I think it's nor- abnormal if you don't have a Zillow app on your phone. I think that'd be a guilty pleasure that you don't like things. <laughs> I, I really <laughs> thought it was weird that I look at Zillow every day, even though I'm not. No, I, I no, look all the time. All. Every, yeah, I look we, today. We Wait, do so it. does every person on the planet Everybody like, do this? And everyone else thinks that everyone else yes. is like yeah. normal. And Zillow weird, rhymes with pillow for a reason. We all have it. Yes. All right, Mark, wow. you're up. Okay. <laughs> I love watching Lifetime movies. Aww. It is so entertaining. You can come up with great drinking games for them. There's always like a fun time where you see someone who's like an actual legitimate actor and they're in a Lifetime movie and you're like, what? My old roommate paid for a Lifetime movie subscription so that it's only $3 a month. Anyone can buy it. Only? Um, <laughs> I know that's but okay. Steep. Most actually, it might have been less than that, but like most subscription services are like eight plus. Yeah, their so quality is better too. You I have things with it. <laughs> <laughs> I it's it it is like a night in to hang out with your friends safely and watch a lifetime movie and have a bunch of drinks. It is very fun and it's kind of like the worse the better. Mm. Okay. My next one. Can I have a throwback? Can I? This I'm doing this partially just to upset Mark. Mm. Okay. That's your mo today. <laughs> not really. Not really. 
pre this is fabricated reality. No, 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 no. Pre two thousand nine, Gary V. Pre. That is definitely guilty. I used to watch his wine library show. Wine when library. He, when he used to sell wine. And he would talk about wine, and he'd have a show about wine. I'm like, oh, this guy's actually Maybe just talking about wine. Maybe you should go wine. back to that. Oh, he should. Yeah. Everything after that has been downhill. <laughs> but he would talk about wine in a way you can understand. I'm like, oh, I'm going to try. He, he, where is he? He's big on Portugal wine or something like that. And I've listened to it. And mm. now he's unlistenable. But pre-29 or t- 2009. Yeah. AD 29. <laughs> pre-2009. <laughs> Gary V. All right, Jess. I mean, I feel like y'all have been waiting for me to say this, but Limp Bizkit. Love some Limp Bizkit. Recently watched theirs and several others Woodstock 99 performance on YouTube. Times were different. You could not have Woodstock now. Obviously, it's a lot of people together, but things were just different. I I don't know. I want to break stuff. I like Limp Bizkit. Love them. And it's not even ironic. Like, I get down... (laughs) <laughs> cover to cover, cover to cover with their first. Well, no, their best part is two albums. you had to decide which band you were going to bring up. You're like, is it going to be Kid Rock? Is it going to be Slipknot? <laughs> is it going to be Limp Bizkit? Slipknot has staying power. Wait, They're still around. I am Slipknot. The thing power. is, that might be a guilty pleasure for like Joe Schmo, but I that's just something I already like assumed about you is that you like <laughs> Limp Bizkit. Like I, I, I just feel like. A guilty pleasure should be a little bit more of a surprise. I right, mean, well, there okay. you go. Bloodhound Gang. Bloodhound Gang's good, though. All right, Katie. So I need to follow up from last week because you were talking about the camping guy who you watched. Yeah, Camping Steve, hunker down. Yes. <laughs> I found out that <laughs> I exact. accidentally watched him, too. Accidentally? Accidentally. Mm. It just mm. came up in my feed, and I watched it. But you were also talking about how some people watch other people play video games. Yes. And I do that with Nancy Drew computer games. <laughs> Send me the link. I feel like we need more clarification. Is this like a problem solving game? Or is it like, because I understand in a way action games, but are you watching other people solve problems? Like other people Nancy Drewing? Yeah. 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 Like well, find not, the hidden object? Like problems it's, like it's solving the mystery and a mystery yeah it's like a story based i mean it's based on the books but it's in game form where you just walk around mm-hmm. and click things from her and like the csi game back in the day where so you it's based on the book you win every time no and there's ways you no. can die mm-hmm. like my sister die? my sister had these games and i would play them like i think i played them more than her and the haunted carousel, you could crawl under the carousel and the carousel would start and you get crushed by the bars of the carousel. You could, in that game, you also had to fix a music box and there was a dowel and you had to make the dowel like woodworking. And if you didn't put your goggles on, you had got so, uh, wood in your eyes. And, Is like, that how you die? Yeah, and you die. And like the like Which screen song would was get this? covered with blood. <laughs> Like, it's intense. These games are real. You could leave the iron on and burn the hotel down in that game. Oh, my goodness. So, Katie, are you really watching it from that angle? Like, seeing the stupid ways people die? You just want to watch the world burn, I think. No, it's actually, like, super nostalgic for me. Um, When I was little, I would go over to my friend's house, and her older sister would play the games. And I would play dress up next to her and pretend I was Nancy Drew. 
So I've been doing this whole watching other people play it for a really long time, like before YouTube existed. You're such a hipster. I See, I, would, I, I, I could never do it. Yeah. I could never do it because I'd be like, I have the answer. Try this. It's the it's the gumdrop or something. Like, try the gumdrop. Right? Gumdrop? What are you playing? Candyland? I don't or know. You don't I play don't know. Nancy Drew is. Stupid, like, right? Yeah. Candyland sucks. Oh. Right. Mark. Mm -hmm. Let's stick with my viewing pleasures. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little bit afraid people might not know what this is, but there was a very popular Canadian show on The N, previously known as Noggin. It's like the Nick at Night of like Noggin. And it was called Degrassi. Absolutely, we know what that is. <laughs> what words are it's again? You don't know Degrassi? And oh. my, my oh, roommate. Everyone knows it. Aren't you from here? No. Yes, you are. Oh. My roommate and I have been rewatching Degrassi from the beginning, and it has become kind of like what we put on the TV as a default. So we're watching like two or three Degrassi episodes a day. So for the kids at home and Greg here, who's the famous person that came out of Degrassi that everyone knows and loves? Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I literally have no idea. Drake. Drake. He no, played, I know you guys he, are saying words. You know who Drake is, like the guy yes. that sings. Yes, he was in Degrassi. He's the only guy that sings <laughs> poorly. Might he have. played Jimmy Brooks. No spoilers, but right. there was a school shooting, and he oh. was shot, and he couldn't walk and was in a wheelchair. People and that's are like the so big confused. thing about his character. And I'm with you, listeners out there, right now. Okay, <laughs> so I'm gonna finish mine up, and I'm just gonna say Mike Posner, the artist. The guy that's like cooler than me from from two thousand. That song. Yeah, he has other songs. Love Mike. Oh, the newest album is a that, little bit like, too real. That like a pill, a pill and a Biza song. But the real one, not that remix one. Oh. I don't. I don't. I I feel like I'd rather listen to Limp Bizkit. Thank right. you. <laughs> okay, so who won? Jess, what are your guilty pleasures? Um, Limp Bizkit and scraping ice off a car slash going to the post office katie zillow listings and nancy drew spectating mark <laughs> lifetime movies and the hit show drama about high school degrassi and mine is mike posner and pre 2009 <laughs> gary v so let us know mark and clock who came in second and we will see you next week